is Arvette McLean and Diana Wright of Speak, the Universe Listens. So today's topic is your thoughts can make you well. So Arvette, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually like that topic, your thoughts can make you well. Because um, we always talk about how your thoughts can affect your health negatively. And we're always we're pretty much aware that um, stress thoughts cause stress chemicals, causes disease in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the reverse of that is also true. So healthy thoughts, good thoughts, um, loving thoughts, they also create chemicals in your body. Um, and they produce results in your body that are beautiful. And so I think a lot of times um, people in a certain field, they will say, I'm going to heal myself. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times they might not seek medical care because they feel like they can heal themselves. And so I might have something to say about that. <laughs> but in general, I do believe that the thoughts that we think can actually make us well. I agree with that. Um and I, I've talked about this before with my mom. Um, and when she was diagnosed with cancer, and they, of course they gave her their prognosis, and she was such a strong woman because a lot of times when you hear the word cancer, you have all of these things. It's a death sentence and all of those kind of things. But she was determined that the prognosis was not going to end up the way that um, that they said. So she didn't think about anything negative. She didn't want anything negative around her relationships that were kind of damaged. She repaired those things. And all she focused on was being happy and getting better. And she, I mean, even though she succumbed to the disease, but they gave her six months in the beginning and she lived for two and a half years. And I'm a strong believer that she lived that long because of her thought process because she refused to succumb to it and have that negative, those negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I actually heard someone, a physician who studies this type of thing, like Mm -hmm. epigenetics and like how your cells work and the chemicals in your body and what happens. And they say that actually when a doctor gives someone the prognosis you have three months, you have six months. Mm-hmm. It's really like they're giving you a prescription because we tend to believe what the doctors say. Exactly. We've been taught to believe what the doctors say. Mm-hmm. And so once they say that, they can even say, let's say they give you um, the di- somebody else's diagnosis, then you'll believe it and you will actually die. <laughs> from that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. right, from that prognosis. And so that just goes into how powerful the mind is. Um, and again, the chemicals, that your thoughts create, that then formulate and pulsate throughout your body. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes perfect sense. Like what you were talking about, you know, it's a seed that's been planted, and then you just, it, we typically as humans, we allow it to grow. And then your body just takes over because this is what your mind thinks. And it just grows and grows versus in the sense of flipping that. And I can also say it for myself, when I was going through a difficult time um, several months ago and I kept getting sick. I was sick, but I kept getting worse and worse. I was stressed out, I was depressed, and the more 
um, I was thinking those negative thoughts, the worse I got, the worse I felt. And just one day I just like, you know, I am tired. I'm tired of laying in the bed. This is just not going to happen. I started thinking happy thoughts. I immediately decided I'm going to beat whatever this is. I mean, even um, I had a diagnosis that I had high blood pressure. And I'm like, no, you know, and all of this happened in a span of maybe three or four weeks. But I decided that I wasn't going to accept that. I got out of the bed. I started walking every day. I started um, opening up the blinds. I said, I'm not going to be depressed. And I got better. And that was because I changed my thought process. So I was able to do that myself. So I do know that it works. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I like talking about um, kind of like illnesses that that are, I guess, would be short-term duration, mm -hmm. maybe like cold, mm -hmm. flu, maybe bronchitis, that type of thing, headaches. And because um, those are, you can change those almost on a dime, um, in a sense. And I remember um, I used to always have these terrible pains in my stomach to the point where you might literally open the door and I'm laying on the floor mm -hmm. in pain. Yeah, like in a ball or whatever. Um, and so I had stopped having those. And then one day, just out of the blue, it happened and I was like driving or something. And I was just not okay. And I'm just like, what am I gonna do? Cause I have to get from point A to point B, but mm -hmm. I'm not okay right now. And so then I was just like, you know what? I tell my body what to do. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was like, I started saying, I'm in perfect health because I tell my body what to do. And I just kept saying it, and um, the pain just went away. And the same thing happened. I was uh, in a bike event, and I was riding the bike too fast for myself, right? Okay. <laughs> and so I don't know what got into me. I guess, you know, you get out there. You get that adrenaline yeah, going. <laughs> you think, oh, I can catch up with him. <laughs> so I was riding the bike, and... Um, when I got to, I think about, I can't even remember now, but maybe like around my 40s, I was just like, mm, I made a mistake. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to finish this event, you know. And so the event was, the event that I was doing was like a 100-mile event, but you had the option of stopping at like 69 miles or something like that. So I was like, I'm, my legs were just shot, and I was like, I'm going to have to stop at 69 and I was just like beating myself up like why did you ride so fast and you know your legs can't handle that you're not used to doing it that fast for this distance or whatever I just kept beating myself up but I was like I'm gonna have to quit cut it short and um then I remembered <laughs> I tell my body right. what to do and so I just started chanting that I'm in perfect health I tell my body what to do and I was like um you know, just because your leg's tired, that doesn't mean you can't pedal, pedal. And I was just like telling my body all kinds of stuff. And next thing you know, I had passed mile 69 and I just kept on going. So, <laughs> so you didn't even focus on the other thing. Every Your whole environment changed mm -hmm. just by your, your thoughts and what you were telling mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of times um, the illness and disease that we tend to focus on, though, are the bigger things like you had mentioned cancer mm -hmm. um, you know high blood pressure um, the diseases like maybe multiple sclerosis mm -hmm. those types of things which aren't you know just okay let me think something different right. um, and then it instantly resolve itself now I don't 
I believe that that can happen. <laughs> I really do because I've heard of lots of spontaneous remission stories um, just by virtue of changing your thought process. Um, but a lot of times those thoughts are deeply embedded and it's the thoughts that we've been having for a long time. Mm -hmm. And um, I love, love, love the study of epigenetics. And, you know, I always I think I'm going to go to school and learn more about that because I just think it's so fascinating. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and try to give you a definition of what it, <laughs> what it is. But um, the first person who really started talking about it um, was Bruce Lipton. And he started back in 1968. But most people think of epigenetics as a new phenomenon. Maybe within the past 10, 15 years it's become um, popular. But what basically it is, is um, prior to the research that's developed with epigenetics, the thinking was that your genes controls your fate, basically. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. inherit your disease, your um, genes, and whatever is on those genes, that's, that's what's what going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's pretty much what's going to happen. And Dr. Bruce Lipton, he actually, um, he's, he was studying um, stem cells, and he took one cell and put it in a um, culture medium and every 10 hours that one cell would divide would double so in t 10 hours it's two and 20 hours it's four etc and so over the course of a week he had, he had 50,000 mm -hmm. identical cells and then he put those in three different culture mediums and basically a culture medium is like similar to blood Mm -hmm. So he put them into three different environments. So one um, was from muscle cells, one was from um, fat cells, and one was from, I can't remember the other one, okay. um, bone cells. So he put the um, cultures in, and those cells, the ones that were in the bone culture became bone. Okay. The ones that were in the um, fat cells, they became fat and the ones that were in the muscle cells became muscles. And so he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> These all were identical cells, but they're responding differently based on their environment. Mm -hmm. And so that's what opened the door to the idea that, okay, a, a gene is not fixed in stone. It depends on what the environment is. So I was also doing some, you know, when we were talking about um, this podcast and I was doing some, some research you know, and with um, Dr. Lipton, and one of the things he said, which surprised me and got me a little bit interested in the, um, in the sense of that it's less than 1% of um, diseases are caused by our genes. And what we were talking about in the sense that, okay, high blood pressure. Well, everyone in my family has high blood pressure, so I wasn't thinking I'm going to get high blood pressure. I was actually mad when my doctor told me that. And I was like, no, this is not going to happen. But diabetes, that is the first thing that you actually think. But it's so interesting that it's not our genes. It's our environment. It's how we eat. It's how we think. And it's also our belief system as well. Yeah, definitely. And so one thing um, that he specified in terms of environment, like you would say, well, maybe your cells aren't exposed to your environment but it's the environment of our body mm -hmm. and because we whatever we're thinking that produces chemicals and then those chemicals you know surround our organs and our cells and you know and so they're in this culture medium which is our blood and it's 
have blood is basically um, pulsating with whatever hormones and chemicals we're releasing. Mm -hmm. And so environment can be perception. Okay. So two people could be in the exact same environment. Like, we're both here together, but my perception could be that this is just the most wonderful thing, and your perception could be the opposite. And so let's say if we work at the same job, and I'm thinking, this is the best job ever, and you're thinking, oh, my God, I hate going there. And we both worked there for 20 years. You may have some health issues develop as a result of 20 years of thinking that. Yeah, and that could be totally defined. And that makes that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it was he had made kind of like an example of some of um, some of his readings, um, his writing, and he had made an example and kind of broke it down like a car, like a vehicle, and a vehicle breaks down, and the first thing we're thinking about, okay, so it's a mechanical problem, and he kind of basically stated, well we forget that there is a driver. We're the driver. So what did the driver do? What type of environment did we put the vehicle in? So it's not necessarily the vehicle. It's the driver and it's the environment. So everything, um, when he was talking about um, epigenetics, that it's all around us. You know, it's what we eat. It's what we think. It's, it's everything. And it's so interesting. So when you start kind of doing the research and really thinking about it, you get kind of hooked on it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And um, so what I wanted to point out is about like stress hormones or fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so fear produces very specific chemicals, um, and basically fear and stress, those types of things. They produce chemicals that actually will shut down the immune system and that will shut down the whole growth process. And so, you know, as adults, we might say, well, why do we need to grow? We're grown, <laughs> you know, but really we lose billions of cells every day. And so they have to replenish. And so if we've, we're shutting down our hormones, our growth system on a daily basis because of the amount of stress mm-hmm. that we may be faced with, then imagine how your cells are reproducing. Um, maybe not as strong, maybe not as quickly, and that's how disease comes about. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, if we're, like when a person is in love, it's like they produce a whole different set of chemicals. So when you're in love, you produce things like dopamine and oxytocin and growth hormones and stuff like that. And so a lot of times when people are in love, you know, people will say, I can see that glow, like you were glowing. Mm-hmm. Um, And they say that's a real phenomenon. Like, when you're in love, you really are glowing because you're growing. Like, you have that growth hormone, and it's just, like, pumping through your system. And um, so, like, a lot of times we always talk about how important it is to send out the feelings of love. So whatever it is you want to create in your life, you're doing that with love. Like, you're literally feeling the feelings of love, and you're causing those feelings to pulsate through your body every single day, every time you go through the process of feeling in love with whatever it is that you desire. So the whole process of doing that is actually helping you to heal. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so they send out more love. <laughs> so Love is so very important, and I go back to my mom again because 
she was surrounded by love. She had all of us there. We did so much um, together from parties to cooking together, watching. She loved Western movies and we all were around. So the love just radiated, you know, with her wherever she went. So love healed her as well. Love kind of carried her through and got her through. And the same thing I think that works for many people. When you feel like you don't have that love in your life or you're depressed, that brings you down. But love just elevates you to another whole level to a point that you think and believe that you can do anything and you can. Yeah, and I think one of the things that happens is, so with the genes, for example, um, like you do inherit your genes, right? But every gene has the potential to express itself in like a thousand ways. And so um, certain, certain um, I guess, receptors are turned on and certain receptors are turned off on your genes. So when you inherited your genes from your parents, um, they came with certain receptors on and certain receptors off. And so based on what you're now doing, you either keep those receptors on and off or you can reopen, you can open some or close some. And so that's what the whole epigenetics thing is, is that we're not, um, basically we're not victims to our heredity, that we're able to control them with our thoughts by turning some on, turning some off. And so things, emotions like love and um, those higher frequency emotions, mm -hmm. they do help to turn things on and off. And, and just the environment that you're in will turn things on and off. Um, and so you can actually, let's say, for example, um, if this might sound crazy, but you, let's say you love playing basketball, mm -hmm. but you don't have a gene for it, but you just practice and um, you practice that thing in your mind and you're creating all these new neural networks and you become an expert in playing basketball. And so those genes are going to get turned on so, or some would get turned on and others would get turned off. But basically, your gene pool would be you're a good basketball player. And then you actually can pass that on to your offspring. Because you've turned them on. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when you pass them on, they'll be turned on. Okay. And, you know, I'm saying on, but some things you might have to turn off. <laughs> okay. And then other things you would turn mm -hmm. on. Yeah. And that is also, and correct me if I'm wrong, it still goes into the environment mm -hmm. and your thought process, mm -hmm. all of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the, the thing is, the majority of our thoughts are subconscious. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's what adds another dynamic to the whole thing. And it's really a lot of things that we're thinking, we're not even aware that we're right. thinking. Um, we, were in, we just inherited those thoughts. And so those things are playing out creating our environment mm -hmm. and we have no knowledge that that's what's going on we have no conscious knowledge that's that's what's going on which is how why we have to use our conscious mind to because uh, i think we only use like about five percent they say between one and five percent mm -hmm. of your conscious mind and so um we have to use that time that we're utilizing our conscious mind and really program new stuff into it and so we do that through practice, through practice, through practice, through visualization, um, creating those new neural networks in our minds and creating those new chemicals pulsating through our bodies. And so 
that's one of the reasons why this practice is just so important. Well, yes, and I, I think we had talked about um, this in previous podcasts about focusing on our thoughts, focusing on what we tell ourselves, and you know that when we are focused on that, because like what you just said. Well, people just don't walk around just thinking we're going to turn our genes on and off, you know. Um, so it is, you know, subconsciously, but, you know, when we focus on it and realize what we're doing, then we can actually change things, you know. So this is definitely um, very interesting. Like I said, just reading up on it and listening to some of the podcasts with Dr. Lipton, you know, it's kind of got me very interested, especially with the, you know, with the genes and, um, being able to change your environment. And I just want to say, um, I, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning, that just because you're starting to say, oh, I'm happy now, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden able to just heal yourself because there is that subconscious process that's going on. And if you haven't changed that subconscious thought, then you may still need the help of medical science. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you need help, get it. Mm-hmm. Don't sit around talking about you're going to heal yourself and you're getting worse every day. <laughs> if you have medicine, take the medicine. Yes. Follow, follow, you know, things that will help you. Um, but this is just something to keep in mind, that the more we can pulsate these positive emotions through our bodies, actively do that, the more healing we'll bring to ourselves. And also with what it also, um, what I've learned from this is that our genes do not control us. We control our, our, our own genes by our thoughts and again, our environment, our environment within. Um, how we think also in regards to what we eat. But to summarize all of it, the most important thing that came out of this for me is the love, the love in everything that we think about and what we pulsate out into the universe, and it just surrounds us all. So I actually, I always enjoy, I'm just like a scientific person by nature. (laughs) I love things that have to do with science and learning about that. So I enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you all did too. Until next time, this is our vet. This is Diana. Bye. Bye.